Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Tonight we will answer your most burning trading and investing questions, explore a list of stocks that you've asked us to take a look at. And of course, we have another interesting topic that is, have Australian miners peaked with BHP, Rio and FMG all making new highs? Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hello. How Hello. are you doing? You had a good weekend, didn't you? I did have a good Well, I did have a great Your weekend. Your skin looks so clear. I was wondering if you're using some new products or whether it's um, got more to do with going for a dip in your pool, like you said you well, were going to. Well, it was my to. dip in my pool. I had all my friends come up from Geelong because mm-hmm. most people know I'm a Geelong boy anyway, but uh, all my friends from Geelong came up and the pool was full on Sunday of people. Um, we spent <laughs> hours in the pool, but I'm actually taking... Um, with my dietitian, I think she's a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. She's got me on this collagen powder. Right. It's supposed to be great for your skin. So what do wow. you think? I've knocked off five years, haven't I? Looks incredible. So thank you very much. <laughs> but, but, but can we get on to something more sensible than talking about the market anyway? Did you want to talk generally about what's been going on around the world? You were really into the US stuff. Your Monday mm. report, um, you were talking about all sorts of things with Jim Beach. Yeah, it was my first um, chat with Jim this year. I mean, we haven't chatted for four weeks and obviously, you know, Biden's now the president. All sorts of stuff's been going on, all those executive orders sold. But mm. it is quite interesting, like we were chatting about how, I was saying to him, what is the the um, environment like in the US right mm-hmm. now? You know, now Biden's taken over. It's, I mean, we only got inaugurated last week, so it was only a short period of time, but there seems to be a little bit more of a sense of calmness coming over mm-hmm. the US a little bit, um, but remains to be seen where that happens. But one thing I thought was really interesting at both Ford and GM were outstanding performers last week. Now, these are two really old car companies, mm. you know, and they're both into electronic vehicle, electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles, and that's part of the reason why, and self-driving vehicles. So we talked a bit about that, whether they'd be, whether Tesla's had its run, you know, mm. whether these companies are coming up. So did a lot of different, uh, talking about a hell of a lot of different things, so it was really, really good. But let's get into tonight's show anyway, and we'll have a good look at what we're doing. But for, thank you for everybody that sent in emails. We do really thank you for that. Remember, this is your show, so if you do have a burning question for us, do take action and send us an email, or better still, or the best still, Upload a 30-second video of yourself um, and put it into Dropbox and then just send us the Dropbox link. Now, please remember to send all your questions through to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Now, as always, we will give preference to those who are supporting the show. So support the show now. Um, just click that um subscribe button that's all you need to do hit the subscribe button then you send us your questions and Janine and I will answer those for you now you almost couldn't get that out I know moving on it is the fourth Tuesday in the month and this means that we look at world currencies so let's get into the charts right now shall we awesome I like doing the currencies because it's a bit different yeah I know you get to talk more (laughs) do I why do I get to talk more (laughs) okay on the screen there we have the Leaders board for the month showing the Australian dollar versus the Japanese yen. We're up 0.69%. Australian dollar versus the euro, 0.66. Now, this is really interesting for people who have considered trading currencies because Mm -hmm. I guess at the moment a lot of people are not going to be travelling. So, you know, Australian dollar versus US dollar, it's 0.25% up. We're looking at Australian dollar versus the Hong Kong dollar, 0.25% up as well in the middle there. And I'm going to jump down to the bottom. We can see the British pound, Australia versus British pound, pretty much flat. 
And then the Australian dollar versus the Chinese renminbi, which is minus 0.48%. That's interesting. It is pretty fast. I mean, and mm. is this a product of still getting over the lag for Christmas and everything else where there's not a lot of trade happening? or, is, or do you Look, think I think initially in the month that will be the case, but mm. I would have thought it would have started picking up by now. Especially coming mm. towards Chinese New Year. Well, that's true too. But I think, I mean, the last couple of weeks, all I've been talking about with people or people have been wanting to talk to me about is all about cryptocurrencies, mm. not physical currencies, if that makes it, we should make a distinction on that one. I mean, obviously, Bitcoin's been going through the Isn't roof. Isn't that funny how things, often people do talk to us about currency trading and that mm. just seems to have gone by the wayside. So that's not the big thing anymore. Well, yeah, everybody, it's sort of waves. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 30 years and it was just whatever the flavor of the month is you know it's sort of like you know it's been things like e-minis options it's been fx mm. it's been futures trading it's been cfds cfds it's now bitcoin and so it just cycles around and mm. you know for a while there it was like everybody ringing up wanting to trade fx and, and we still get that at you know people wanting to trade fx but it's always those people that are um how do i say it the more the websites that are promoting making lots of money really, really quickly, and they, you know, they I call them the triple B websites, the Beaches, Blondes, and BMWs on their <laughs> websites, and they're saying you can make riches, and it's always about some sort of mm. highly speculative type thing or something that's just, you know, fluctuates, you know, and and obviously FX has been one of those, but we're going to have a look mm -hmm. at some of the the actual Australian dollar versus currencies. We're going to look at some of those charts right now, aren't we? Yeah, I just love your little. Um Analogy, if, if it's an analogy like beaches, blondes, and what did you call well, it? Well, it is. You just see them, don't you? you see all these, any website you go to, and as soon as you open it up and you see a, a, a Lamborghini sitting there with some yep. guy standing next to it, by next to a yacht on the beach, you just go, me, I just go next. But people go, oh, wow, you can have the lifestyle of the rich and famous. What? BS. I thought that was the 90s when they had all that No, around. they still got them. Do they? They're still mm. all over the place. Treat, you know, just... Follow my five simple steps and you'll be a gazillionaire overnight, you know, and they still have them, but people get sucked in by it. Human nature is quite basic, isn't it, really? Well, it is. It's just fear and greed and, and humans don't change. That's why, you know, we know it doesn't matter. We talked about algorithms the other week. Mm. It doesn't matter what we do. Humans are the same. Mm. You know, we're the ones buying and selling regardless of whether we're pushing a button to let a computer do it for us or we're doing it. But this money's still got to go in and out of our bank now, account. Now, did you want to have a look at the month or do you want to, the week, or did you want to have a look at the, um, what's happening on the right-hand side of the no, chart? No, let's there? go and look at the chart. So let's bring up the chart. So what's the first chart we're going to bring up? So we'll go and have a look at that. So we're looking at the Chinese yuan here. I'm trying Chinese renminbi. I, can, I always struggle with all of that. So the Australian dollar against the renminbi has, is really starting to pick up again now, isn't it? Yep. After falling away heavily Looks since, good. since right, way back through here. So it is looking good. Now, I know China has launched its own sovereign crypto. Mm. And obviously, that's part of their Silk Road package. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the renminbi. Look, I mean, from a technical mm. perspective, if we see the currency slip back below this level, this is what we've got to watch at the moment. Mm. While it holds above that low in December... Yep. then it's fine. It's more likely to keep going up and should push through that high. But if we get a bit of a move down and then it falls below that level, then mm. you know it's more likely just to um, tread water for a little while, I'd say. Okay, next, really quickly, euro. What is saying on the euro? So. Euro, really nice trend that's established there on the euro. Yep. I think the Aussie dollar versus the euro, it looks really good. Looks I'd really say good. more upside there. More upside. Okay, and British, British pound, let's bring up the monthly chart and see what's going on there. Yeah, this one's confused me for a long time. Mm. And then we've seen this bounce off the bottom with COVID and then okay. a push back up, but it really isn't clear yet. There's a lot of resistance there at Still. that 57 um, cent mark. Be interesting to see if it can move up a bit because it's generally this sort of around 50, 40, 50, 60 mm. pence is really what it, where it trades out mostly, isn't it? Yeah, it just looks mm. ugly, doesn't it? It does look a little bit ugly at this moment. Okay, Hong Kong dollar, looking at that. Let's bring up the monthly chart on that. So what are your thoughts on the Hong Kong dollar? Yeah, more or less the same. Mm. Oh, I think it's looking good. I think it just bodes well for our currency overall, yep. but I'd really be more interested in having a look at what's happening with the um the US dollar. Okay, so let's bring up here's the here's the yen, the Japanese yen, yeah. and we'll get to the US dollar in a second. Looks like we're seeing the same chart same again. Same sort of Dar. chart, isn't it? So <laughs> let's keep moving. The same sort of comment. Here uh, we go. The US dollar, same chart again. Usually, <laughs> <No. laughs> just repeat myself. Just repeating yourself. Yeah, but we're doing quite well. I mean, it's interesting. I think we're going to see further upside. That's for sure over time. And yeah. and how would when there's a commodities boom on, then you're likely to see the dollar going then up anyway. Yeah, and so obviously that matches with today's show anyway on commodities anyway. Mm. But it is looking. All of this is looking for the Australian dollar to be rising against most world major currencies. But it never rises, you know, one month after the other consecutively without a fall. Mm. 
you know, two or three months later. So we could see another month up, but, you know, then, after that, we're likely to see a bit away. of an easing off. Yeah. No, that's fine. So that's where we're taking on the currencies there. So let's get into our questions now. Okay. It's now time to get into the first question. We have Aaron's question. G'day, Dale and Janine. I'm curious to see what you both think of ARB. Is that an all-time high on the charts? And I personally believe the company itself has more room for profits in the short term at least. The reason being 2021 international travel is still foggy due to COVID, so more people are travelling in Australia instead. True. And this generally means upgrading the vehicle, which can involve ARB or similar companies alike. Cheers, Aaron. Really good thinking. I like his thoughts there on that one. And yeah. you were just saying before we came on air that you, th you thought, what a good um, company given what it's involved in. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've seen a few different companies. I'm not sure whether this is the company. I'm pretty sure it's not the company I used to see at the microcap company. I think it's a different one. Mm. But they are involved in making completely sealed braking systems for four-wheel drives. Um, and they're mainly for, for trucks, for garbage trucks. You mm. know how, you know, in the morning at five in the morning, the garbage truck wake you up? No. And screeching, screeching brakes and everything you else. You wouldn't have had that you, for years, would you? No, I haven't had that for years where <laughs> I live, but I've had it before in the past. I've had it happen on a holiday. You know, yeah. you, you just, you ask the question, will I get a nice view? Yeah, pull the, the garbage truck, empty everything and next to me. And in the end, you yeah. hear the garbage truck in the street. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, well, there's a company mm -hmm. in Australia who's just a world leader in these braking systems for the military and everything because they're completely sealed. So mm. they're great for the desert, great for outroading, uh, off-roading, and they one, save a lot of money. So this is a little bit that, different. If they're in that but this space, is in the four drive given space. that people are staying in Australia, they are mm. holidaying in Australia, mm. it's got to be in the box seat. And looking at the, yeah, the rise that we've just seen out of that sideways consolidation there, it is looking nice. I see further upside for it. Now, the challenge, mm -hmm. if you've learnt, if you studied our course or you started studying our course, then you'll, you'll come to a, a module that talks about mm -hmm. um, particular patterns that form on stocks over time. Now, I can't go into detail here because this is not about teaching the intricate detail of those patterns. However, there are patterns that form on stocks all the time. Mm. The question always is when a stock breaks out is whether it's going to come back into that sideways move again. So yeah. this is the only thing I'd be saying. It looks great from a long-term perspective. Yeah, it's almost gone vertically, mm. which can often mean that there'll be a slowdown in the rate of the share price at some point over the coming months. So, yeah, I would just, um, if you're in yeah. it, you would obviously stick with it, but you'd want to set a nice stop loss under that sideways move that Dale was showing on the weekly chart just before. Yeah, I know I was showing yesterday, on yesterday's show, I was talking about the long-term momentum of, you know, the All Lords, the S&P 500 in the US and the Dow mm. and everything else. And I mean, you know, since since sort of that 2009 low, since the GFC, this stock has really been different, hasn't it? It's been a lot Look, different. Than you and I before. both know, because we've mm. done the education, we, we're versed in all of the technical analysis mm. that when you get to the advanced course, you'll understand why that changes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So, but let's go back to the weekly chart. the average chart. person yeah. doesn't know. You can draw a line on the chart and say, okay, it's following that trajectory. It's likely to come back to that. But right but now, it may it looks, not. It, yeah, but it does look strong, but mm. it'll come back somewhere towards that line when it does start to come back. Yeah. And, and you're not saying it's going to be on a peak right now, but let's just go to the weekly chart now and talk a bit about what you mentioned there. So this sideways sort of move through here. So sometimes you'll get this break up out of that and then just come back in to test it again. Yeah, and that's, that's really what I was talking what you about. Was, mm. That's really what you were talking about. But looking at the volumes, it's getting a bit more volume through here now than what it was back through 2017 and 18. But the volume, good. volume over recent weeks, obviously because of mm. the, the because shutdown over Christmas, mm. it does slow down around that time. But it's mm. not a great sign when you see a breakout of a pattern to see the volume drop off. You want to see the volume, volume. following the price. Yeah, so we need to see volume increasing mm. at the moment. But just keep a stop loss on it. I think that's all I would put underneath that. While it's going up, it looks like it's going to continue. It looks quite good from my point of view mm. and yours. Yeah, I agree with you. Cool. I do like this stock. Well, thank you for the question. Now, the next question or next email we have um, is from somebody called AK. Hi, Dale and Janine. My question for today is around stop loss and trailing stop loss. I haven't learned from my past mistakes about making sure to manage loss. Hence, I generally put a stop loss at about 15% when I get into a position. When you buy a stock in lots like lot one at $10, lot two at $12, lot three at $8.50, making average bright price at $10.16. <laughs> wow. Should the stop loss then be put at 15% of average buy price or on what price should it be put at? And if this 
is profit, say, at 25 <laughs> Stop laughing. 25% profit, then trailing stop loss on the latest stock price. Thanks, AK. She's not laughing at you, AK. I absolutely guarantee it. She's laughing at me. I'm laughing at you because I just was watching you get tongue-tied and I was I gave you this question on purpose because I, know, I knew just, that would you happen. You want me on the ground because I've run out of, of breath. We all need a bit of comedy on these shows, don't we? That's a long <laughs> question. I just wanted to make sure that you guys got a laugh. Jeez. I hope you enjoyed that one. This, there's a lot of complexity in that question, isn't it? And, and it's really good. Maybe though. a lot more complexity than AK even understands it's there because there's a few issues around that. It's multiple buy positions. Mm. Where's your stop loss? Where's the trailing stop loss? But not just buying multiple, multiple positions of how much you're putting into each one of those positions. Are you incre you're increasing your exposure to a stock for whatever reason, and that, he doesn't explain that. But are you increasing your risk when you're doing that or mm. you're decreasing your risk? And it's like, to partly to answer, and I'll get you to answer that in what you're thinking is in a section, but if I buy a share at a dollar and then I buy another parcel and buy just as many shares at a dollar fifty and that parcel of a dollar fifty start or they all start to go down because they're all the same stock. Every time the share at a dollar fifty goes down, it's taking all the profit from the dollar shares, one one hundred percent of it. So really doesn't make sense to me to do that, to get into multiple positions because you're getting into these complex situations. I don't think you can just average your buy price and put a stop loss around that. I just don't think that's a smart thing to do. What's your take? Look, I think his question's really good. And I, from the point of view that he's laid it out really clearly mm. and, and well, the first thing is though, why is he doing it? Why is he doing first it? First of all, mm. like, is it based on that dollar cost averaging old methodology that's out there that people still haven't the attached the technique. boat anchor to and thrown it overboard? Um, that's the first question, because if you're dollar cost averaging, that's bound to see a losing situation anyway, even if you have well, a stop a less loss. Profitable you probably, one. Yeah, potentially could be on the downside or mm. you're having to wait many, many years for it to recover. But the next thing is what you were saying before. It's about when you're purchasing those positions, you know, are you purchasing it because it's going up for a start? And do you have rules around it? That's mm. what I want to add to from what you've already said. And then also if you're looking to um, sell it, the question he's asking is, do you just take an average? We never take averages of anything mm. because you're taking a new position each time you move up. Each position has a stop So you, you need to think about each position separately but you might um, choose to, if you're short, and it also depends around the context of what you're doing, because if you're short-term trading, mm. you might choose to exit the lot when the mm. first one triggers, because mm. that way you really have a tight stop loss in there if it's really short-term trading and you're locking in the profit at least on, mm. maybe you've got three positions as it's rising and you've got rules around that and then you've locked in your profit on all the other ones, but the first, the last one might be the losing trader. And so mm. that almost almost guarantees that you're going to walk away with, with some money, at least your capital and some profit there. But it, if you're trading more medium term, it could be a different scenario. Like Dale said, it could be that you've got a separate stop for each position, depending on how you're managing your overall position. So Yeah. I mean, mm. to me, if you're buying multiple positions, it says to me one or two things, your dollar cost averaging, or you haven't done a position size properly. Yeah. In the first and it place. becomes complicated doing it this mm. way, because it could also be that you, ha you were not prepared to put your full position in at mm. the start. Yeah. But so then you've added these additional positions to comp make it more complicated down the track because you weren't prepared to put the full position in at the start. So it if, say if you, you don't trust your analysis yeah, or you don't trust yourself. So if you're buying ten thousand mm. dollars of you know a number of different positions, you mm. might have only bought five to start with and then thought, well that's a bit small, I'll just keep adding to it. So it's really about starting out with the end in mind and deciding, well how am I going to trade? And if I'm going mm. to buy smaller stocks like this, am I going to um, just say, okay, oh, I'm going to put the same position size into every share because I trust my approach, mm -hmm. or am I going to say, oh, maybe buy something that's a little bit higher risk well, like this and only... This. You're looking at a stock that he's not... He didn't mention the stock name. No, but oh. only trade half, say, for example, hmm. whatever the stock is, hmm. um, trade half the position. And that's something that you can really end up getting going down the rabbit hole. Can I say, with, just as we finish up, is mm. that, yeah, we talk about stop losses all the time, but most times we don't exit on a stop loss. We're, well, we're exiting on a technical signal. You're talking about of, initial stop losses correct. compared to a, a trailing yeah. stop loss. Yeah, well, tra to us, a trailing stop loss is a technical signal. Mm. That's really what it is. For most people, it's not. Most investors 
don't know how to do trailing exits like we do We're using technical points on a chart when it's showing us it's more probability of falling away than than going up. How many people do you think would actually mm. be buying multiple positions of the one stock? Uh, well, it seems to be pretty common on the questions we get. A lot of people talk about dollar cost averaging still, even though we've said to people it's not super profitable. But I think people have that comfort and I'll just dip my toe in the water by a little bit right now, then I'll buy a little bit more later and then I'll buy a little bit more later. And what that says to me is you don't trust your analysis, you don't trust your rules or you don't have any rules mm. or you don't trust yourself. Yeah, So agreed. any one of those there is if you are a good trader and you have good rules and you trust yourself, then you take a full position. Mm. I, I've never kept buying a stock as it's going up. I've mm. already got a full position at the start and that's how I work it and, yeah. and so do you. No, we do. Like with short-term trading mm. though, we do teach, you're talking about medium-term trading, mm. but with short-term trading, we do teach our students who have actually gone through that the course and have got a bit more advanced with their trading about well, how to add to their strategy. positions, which yeah. is a short-term strategy that mm. I was talking about before. Yeah. So mm. it's a little bit of different. But anyway, it's mm. a great That's question a, oh, anyway. I love the question. Got us um, talking about a yeah, whole lot of stuff. Thanks for that. <laughs> I want to get into the nitty-gritty of these things. We have a question from Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Um, he says, hi, Dale and Janine. I've been looking at buying into TYR for a while, as many fund managers also recommend this stock. And the recent Viceroy research report has made the stock drop significantly but has since recovered slightly can you please provide some insight on this stock thank you andrew now look it doesn't matter what reports say at the end of the day it's more about what the stock was going to do anyway you know if you know charting and you know analysis it you know reports can cause short-term fluctuations in share prices but they do but they if do. it keeps going down like this one has mm -hmm. it was already going down um look at where it's been falling from if you just mm. go back to the top well, there you can use you can have the mouse well, I'll let you i just touch didn't it. want to touch your hand by mistake you know those awkward moments oh, my <laughs> wife's not here so it's okay <laughs> so october 2020 there you can see the high so it was actually falling down here into december and then it's just kept falling and then it let go, obviously, this month in January with the big fall that it's had there. Okay, so often when news comes out, um, people in the know have already been getting out. They have been. And it mm. hasn't been even like even from here. It's not a really good stock. It's not showing a lot of strength here. There's a lot, a lot of resistance around that sort of $3.80, $4 mark. I, it's I been just, struggling just, for a while. It's very much but struggling. But it's really interesting how those tech companies have been going up and this one's mm. going down. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily discount it completely because we, mm. you and I both know after having a look at so many IPOs that have launched into the market, how many times these things trade at less than the buy price within 12 months after their launch on the market. And then eventually, um, some, most of them, mm. a lot of them recover if they're any good, if the company's got a mm. good concept or product. So, look, I wouldn't necessarily discount this stock altogether. It's just that right just now it's not it. the time It doesn't look it. good right now, does mm, it? No. In my view, I mean, it doesn't look good to me. And, and it really is. It is a space where there's a lot more competition. There's going to be a lot more regulation come into it, which is yeah. going to tighten it up a hell of a lot as well. But it's so. not the sort of thing you can buy and hold. Mm, you, you, no. For a start, as a technical analyst, you can't take the chart and say that we have a really clear picture about where the medium to long-term trajectory of this thing is going mm. because we don't have enough history. Not like ARB, we had a lot of history. You could analyse and determine where mm. the, the, the high is likely to be and where it's likely if to be. If in doubt, turn. stay out. Mm. Okay, the next email we have is from William who says, Hi, Dale and Janine, I'd like your opinion on a stock I haven't seen featured on your show, SMP Smart Pay. No, I don't believe we've looked There's at that one. There's probably a good reason. They are, they are smaller, <laughs> a small arrival of Tyro and have seen their shares hit all time, an all-time high. Thank you for your continued excellent educational content, Will. It's interesting how we've had that question after we've just handled Tyro, which I don't think we'd ever handled Tyro before, had we? No, I don't think we have. But what I find more interesting is the fact that this person has actually mentioned it and then, mm. we, you know, it's a coincidence or they, is this person sort of in cahoots with somebody else and they've sent in, in the questions together? Like you never but know, You've made it you? more interesting Are anyway. Are you coming so up with a conspiracy that. theory? Is that what you're saying to me? Do, do, do. <laughs> Let's have a look at the stock. <laughs> it looks okay. quite good, doesn't it? It look, you're not going to talk anymore. Now, look, this had person has said, theory, you're shutting thank up you now. so much for all the excellent content in the show but I mean imagine wait till um you know if they do our course what they think of our course compared to the show the show is great thank you for telling mm. everybody that it's excellent uh however nothing compared to what the course content will give you when you look at this stock it's just taken off like a rocket so obviously here. on news 
stocks take but off like this. Look at the volumes on this. This moved up. This is a weekly there is no chart. Volume There's much. hardly any volume underneath mm. this on this move up, which suggests it's not going to be supported. And yeah. it, it, sometimes when you see stocks like this being come up to us on Facebook, YouTube, whatever else, and people asking it, generally it's because of people have been talking about it on chat forums and stuff like that. And you get that flavour of weak type stuff. And mm. it's like they're talking this stock up. And so maybe we're seeing somebody talking this stock, stock up out there in social media or both of these stocks up in social media to try and get them to move. I don't know. And, and that's Look, really, you know. I like the fact that it's gone through that 80 cent mark. It's gone through that. Yes, correct. And like you said, it could come back and trade within that range for a while, but then mm. that is likely to act as an incredible support or base under the yeah. stock for future moves up. So, mm. look, it's not really liquid for us to be interested in. And I th I'd say that most people, you know, it's going to be out of the league of most people mm. anyway because it's going to be harder to trade it because it's so volatile and it will be very reactive mm. to reporting season. Yeah, you think mm. if when it does come down, if it uh, if it doesn't get more volume coming underneath it in the next week or so, you're probably going to come back down to that sort of level, aren't you? And that's yeah, really that's what, what I'm thinking. I'd like to see it come mm. back to that and then turn around and go back up and then it's, you've got a bit more certainty about the direction. That's when I'd direction. be a bit more interested in that, if, mm. especially if there's Agreed. more volume coming through on it anyway. Yeah. Cool. Agreed. All right, so let's keep moving on. Now, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We've lots more to come. Before we get into that, now's a perfect time to hit that subscribe button and also like the video. For those who email in your video question, we love you, of course. During the month of February, there's a special competition. You could go into a draw to win a signed copy of Dale's book, Accelerate Your Wealth, and we'll announce the winner at the end of February. Remember that you must email in a video question. That's part of the criteria, so not a text question, okay? So we you're going to sign see your the lovely book, faces. Hey? You're signing the book? <laughs> no, that's for you. I'm going to hand you the book to sign oh, okay. with your lovely autograph. Okay, I say, from Dale and Janine with love. Yeah. Fine, we'll do that. Cool. Now it's time we get into the topic for tonight, which is have Australian miners peaked with BHP, Rio and FMG all making new highs? Now, the demand for commodities in 2020 saw a sharp rise in commodities prices, creating a mining boom, which has boosted the fortunes of many Australian mining stocks, including BHP, Rio, Tinto, and although most impressive has been Fortescue Metals Group, um, given that it's risen over 130% in the last 12 months. Now, right now, we need to ask, have commodity prices peaked? And will this continue in 2021? Or will commodity prices and miners start to tumble in price? Mm, big question. Well, right now, Dale and I will share our insights on the current mining boom and discuss our thoughts on some of the biggest mining stocks on our market and whether it's time to sell or hang on to further rises. So first up, before we get into the stocks, we need to take a look at a few things with you. So let's discuss, first up, what's driving the recent boom? Mm. What is Good driving question, the recent isn't it? boom? I mean, I know we've talked about China yep. a few times, and I know China is a big consumer of iron ore, which is obviously BHP, Rio and, and Fortescue. I know since all these China-Australia issues arose, you know, and COVID arose, we thought, uh, China would buy a lot less iron ore, but it's actually increased. Well, it was slowing down for a while there. Yeah, it was slowing and, down. And for often, a while. when you get mm. that slowdown mm. of commodities being purchased, mm. then all of a sudden there's a big, like a vacuum, and it's all of a sudden the system sucks everything up and the prices just rise. That's a technical term. That sucking it up is mm. a technical term. Well, I like that technical term. But mm. it, it is interesting because they're trying to put tariffs on everything, pretty much everything else except iron ore because obviously they still need it. Obviously, Vale can't produce enough for them, which well, is the other Well, it's a supply and demand equation because we have got things going on around the world mm. and that's affecting that supply and demand equation. But I know Lines a lady... come off, off mm. go offline and come online. Hmm. And then, and BHP and Rio have been, and FMG have been the benefactor of, hmm. of that whole supply and demand equation being unbalanced. Hmm. So we're now seeing that, I think, balance itself out. And I think it's getting hmm. to that point now. Yeah, I mean, I had, to, uh, to me, it was interesting. I had a question yesterday on Rio for the market report. And a lady said to me, well, you know, she likes Rio. It's hmm. doing really, really well. Uh, and after all, she said... You know, iron ore prices can't go down. And, and to me, I, my answer was, well, don't ever think that because a commodity can always go down. You know, and I, I cited the example of oil prices. You know, when back, I think it was 10 years ago, whatever else, they were, oil was $100 a barrel and 
everybody was, all the experts were saying it was going to $200 a barrel and you and me saying, no, it's going to halve in price the next 12 months. Mm. And, and we got it right. But people were saying it can't go down because it's a diminishing resource. You know, we're using it, blah, mm. blah, blah. But all it is, is, is if something gets too expensive, we go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And we adapt and we do something else. So we've seen oil go up and down all over the place. We've seen gold and silver go up and down all over the place. We've seen all commodities go up and down. But it is a bit supply and demand. But you don't know, China might say tomorrow, hey, we're not taking any iron ore from Australia anymore because we're going to stop some of our projects. And all of a sudden, iron ore Do you really to think that down. will happen? I don't, I don't think, think that it will happen. happen. But mm. you can't ever just assume it won't, the commodity prices won't But I think, I think the down. supply will catch up with the demand at some yeah. point. And that happens as well. So what's the next point we've got to talk about? Okay, so what we need to talk about is how commodity prices have been performing. So um, commodities relevant to some of the biggest miners mentioned include, uh, that's aluminium or bauxite is the ore, and iron ore, of course, and copper. And then we've got oil. So they're all... They're all um, the ones. There are others that um, Rio's involved in other things as well. Of course, Rio's into diamonds, but that's a, okay. a smaller percentage of their revenue from diamonds. But... Um, and I think they're important, but we. You think diamonds a, are important? I'm sure your husband says the same friend? thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So look, let's have a bit of a look then at some of the commodities and okay, what. Okay. So we're looking at the screen doing. now. Yeah. So Ooh. just to have a bit of a break, we're going to swap from Optima, and we're going to go and look at a website that you can look at shortly. But okay. So I've we, just need got the the copper price. we need the copper price. We need the internet on. Yeah, we do. But for for now, I've just got the copper price up there on okay. the screen now. I just want to say that and I'm quite happy to admit this if I'm wrong at times, and I was wrong mm-hmm. about this, I thought the copper price was heading south until COVID hit. So if we look at the big picture... Copper's quite an important commodity, isn't it? It's, it's incredibly very... important when you're thinking about what's going on around the world. And mm. look, with COVID, it had a dive, and I really thought that we're on the trajectory to take out this low. Mm. But in actual fact, it turned around and burst back up again and then as soon as it taken out this high here I thought well it's definitely going up again where are we in this mm. big picture it's left a strange pattern on the chart but a very interesting one that makes you think well you know this could be long-term bullish now correct mm. and it could be long-term bullish but it's in- interesting looking at this if we look at this going back to here this 2005 so 15 years it's really just traded in this sort of band which is pretty normal for a commodity and a lot of people think mm. commodities uh, they would trade them like they would a bank, for example, which are a growth type of stock mm-hmm. that grow over a longer period of time, whereas commodity is a more of a cyclical type of uh, investment. Yeah, and, and can be much more volatile mm. as a result of that. So the growth type um, areas like commodities are far more volatile. And this is where people who are starting out can be quite challenged mm. when they try to tra- trade in that area because stocks who are in this space often gap around and can trade in very volatile fashion. So depending on how liquid they are, you're better off to stick with the bigger stocks, the bigger mining stocks in the top 50 on the market when you're first getting into that space. And then as you get experience and you've had training, then go into the smaller miners if that's what you want to do. But but that's copper. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the bigger miners, they're into copper. And yes. this is a space that's going to be interesting over the coming years. Like aluminium, copper, where's this all going to go? I mean, if yeah. you think about mm-hmm. what's happening in the vehicles space around the world. Oh, yeah. So we've got all these electric vehicles that and are being built copper. and planned for. And I am told that, you know, people who are ordering Teslas, they have to wait two years or 18 months to get their yeah, the Tesla of while, their yeah. choice. Mm. Um, at the, I think it's improving because they're bringing out different um, Tesla models to Australia, but for particular ones, it's much harder to get. So... Look, I think copper is going to continue to be um, a dominant force. While Now, I should come back to the charting because we're talking fundamentals now. Mm. So from a charting perspective, while copper stays above this range, so we're, we're looking at um, around mm. that three, um, it's, it's halfway on the chart. So it's really halfway over the historical range of that chart, which is important. It will be fine. Mm. Okay. If it continues to rise above $4, I think we're going to see a short, sharp correction in the copper price. And that price should support in BHP and Rio moving up still. Yeah, I think it will. But I think it's. I think the current rise has actually had its... It's going to go through an exhaustion phase. Mm. So we're going to see a bit of a slowdown now in that rise because there is so much resistance mm. around that $4 mark, you know, okay. 
up here. Yep. Okay. So okay, moving so on, we've got oil. We've got light, sweet, crude. Now, this is one that really fascinated me. Mm. So looking at oil, you can see there that we saw with the trade wars going on back in 2018, yep. the trajectory of oil changed right there in December, November and December 2018. That was the first sign that perhaps it wasn't going to continue to run because at the time, I believe that this was the long-term low for oil. I'd done all the analysis that I'd done over time seemed to be fitting. It, it seemed to fit the pattern precisely. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, we've seen this burst up into the high in 2018, a pullback for a couple of months. This sideways move unfold, and as soon as we saw this sideways move unfold and the lows were getting higher, we knew that something wasn't right with oil, that it yeah. was being, you know, it wasn't being, it's, the demand for oil was dropping, and then we saw COVID, and we saw them panic sell Okay, during that um, yes. co yes. COVID period. And we had oversupplies and yeah. all sorts of stuff. But I mean, obviously, they couldn't Europe's store in winter, the oil. America's in yep, winter they had now. to pay people to store it. Yep. Um, so, therefore, um, we've seen a turnaround since then, and, and mm. it looks much better now. And we're seeing it above the 50 US dollars mm. a barrel mark. And I think over the medium term, I think oil's more likely to continue to go up. Okay, so now we need to move on. I mean, because yep. I'm, I'm ahead of our talk at the moment, but um, we need to move on. We need to look at just briefly because we need yep. to just look at one more. Because obviously, if you're yeah. wanting to look for a website where you can find um, commodities, this index Monday, and I'm not verifying them or any of the what they talk about, um, but it, it is a website that actually shows some of the the pricing for futures, and uh, you can see there this is the aluminium price. So. Looking yep. at alum, and that's obviously another commodity that's really important to the building and, and construction and all the consumer well, car, uh, related cars. I know my car's demand. Aluminium. Yeah. So, so that, and that's moving up nicely at the moment. So if mm. we see that trajectory continue to rise and we see it go above that 2,000 um, US dollars a tonne, then that will bode really well for the uh, future direction of aluminium. But mm. like any chart, you can see it's highly volatile and there are ups and downs, and I don't think that's going to change over time for aluminium. But you can see there on the website there, you can look at a whole lot of different commodities, and one of them is iron mm. ore. So we can see we've got the iron ore chart there going back 30 years, I've set it to. My expectation, I, I, I've expected the iron ore price to get to around mm. 100, possibly 120. Um, my expectation currently is that it could trade between, between 120 and 140 um, US dollars per dry metric tonne. Okay. At the moment, it's slowed down. We're seeing this bit of a sideways consolidation. I don't think there's too much further to go in the current run is what okay. I'm saying. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the data should be pretty good if it's coming from Thomson Reuters. That's very, very good. Mm. Um, reputable data supplier and everything else. So it should be pretty good there. Yeah, but, I just like the, mm. the... It's a simple way that they've got this website set up. It's mm. not the... Yeah, it know. is very, very simple. And you're full of great websites for people helping them out to do yeah. some of their research. Because the more research do you do, the better. Mm. And it really is about that. It's about understanding the underlying or what drives the stocks. And that's really what we're talking about is what is driving our commodity stocks. And what we're looking at here is obviously oil. We've looked at you know, yep. um, copper, but you can look at other things. So, like, so can mm. commodities fall from here? That's the question. Well, they so, can, but they're not likely to at the moment. That's yeah, really what we're in, saying. In the sh very short term, but I think a lot of the gains mm. that we've seen have been made already. Have been made already. Yeah, mm. that's what I'm saying. And we I think that's going to translate. So you're saying we get a slowing down. Yeah, okay. I think we could go up for another month or so, but I think there'll be a peak that will happen in the first half of 2021. Mm. We'll see. Uh, particularly in the stocks. Yep. Yep. And so we're going to be talking about that. And I think we should move on to a okay. couple of charts just to have a quick look there. Okay. We'll stick to the monthly charts so we can see what's going on. So now's the, now, we're, now we're looking at the stocks. So we're now looking at a monthly chart of BHP, which has yep. taken out its all-time high. Now, okay. often when stocks take out their all-time high, they go up for a couple of months and then they pull back. That's typical of what happens yes. with mining stocks. So I would expect that BHP would go up at into February, um, slightly possibly even March, but I think once it gets to around that $50 mark, I think it's going to stop there, mm -hmm. at least in the short term, and we're going to see it come back. Could stop earlier, um, but it's had a good run already, and it's gone pretty mm -hmm. much vertically the last couple of months, and rarely does it do that for more than a couple of months without having a bit of a pullback or just going sideways. Mm. Yep. So basically a little bit more up and then it'll start to come back down around towards this support level. 
Yeah. Basically. Now we have a, a thing mm. that often when we're, we're talking about stocks that if they're at or just below their all-time highs, you're better off to wait until they get through their all-time mm. highs. Let that pullback happen because if you're in this, you're going to be in this for the medium term. You don't need yeah. to rush to do it. With I think BSB. what a lot of people don't understand when stocks are around their all-time highs, there's this vacuum around it of yeah. people wanting to short it mm. in case there's you know certain you know there's double tops, triple tops, all the things people talk about, and other people wait until it gets through to buy it. But when they exhaust it, often mm. often falls back into it. Yep. So there's a lot of people get caught out around all-time highs and those breaking through those And levels. there are there are a lot of things in the news at mm. the moment about there's a lot of things in flux at the moment. So mm. there's some legal action too around um, yes. mining companies at the moment. So I would just mm. be watching that space as well. So Rio mm. is the next one. Rio on is the next one. Okay, let's have a look. Monthly chart of Rio. Yep, same thing. We've just seen it break through. Uh, if it holds up strongly towards the end of the month, then it could be good for Rio. Mm. We could see it go up a little bit further into um, finish the quarter strongly. It's just poking. Just poking. However, through. the same thing with Rio is what I've said with BHP. Mm. You get a couple of strong months up and it really just takes a bit of a break for a while. Yep. Has a holiday. Okay, so F Fortescue. Now, FMG is totally different to BHP mm. and Rio. It's long gone through its all prior all-time high in the GFC. Now, we didn't pick that uh, FMG was ever going to do this um, at all, and it's just continued to rise up. It's just mm. broken all of the, the standard rules, which is good for FMG. I'm mm. really happy for um, Andrew Forrest and what he's done with FMG. However, but, but again... has it had its run? That's the question. Again, I believe that we're very close to a peak on all three companies. Yep. And so yep. you're expecting over the next one to three months they're going to come down? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, exactly. so, so, so anything more you want stocks. to say about F FMG? Or? Look, I think that these ones have to stay on the radar for mm. anyone who's into mining stocks and that if you're, you've got a strategy where you're looking at buying some of these and they can be more volatile and things are changing all the time, especially in the commodity space mm -hmm. and BHP, there was talk about it removing its dual listing. Did yes. you read about that? No, I actually didn't. Um, so I don't know what's happened, whether, you know, I haven't got up to date with whether they're going to do that yet because there's just so much else that's interesting at the moment to put your attention on in the, in the space. So just keep reading about mm. BHP and Rio and FMG. Keep your eye on that. But also keep your eye on the price chart and what happens over the next couple of months. And we'll be mm. sure to update you at some point um, over the coming months. So that's really it's interesting. I mean, because I mean, well, in summary, basically months ago, you were saying BHP, you're saying mining um, or the Mining's material going to sector. be the next big thing for, yeah. I think, the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So that's what you're saying. So right now mm. you're just saying sit back. So in summary, the stock, or any stock or commodity price or commodity does not go up forever. We know that for a fact. So they don't all go up forever. The price charts you have seen tonight are clear evidence of the cyclical phenomenon that occurs in anything that is priced to market. So we've seen the cyclical nature of these stocks and these commodities. Um, and that can be traded. Although commodities and miners appear to be bullish long term, given recent steep rises, especially one in Fortescue in those big miners, we believe that the current runs will exhaust over the coming months and prices will come back in 2021 before they confirm their next rise. So we're pretty much, that's really what the summary of what we talked about, isn't it? So at the moment, mm. commodities probably getting a bit high, maybe come back a little bit. These stocks, BHP, Rio, Fortescue, will probably come maybe a little bit more upside than come back and ease yeah. off a bit, but more medium to longer term, they're great. Yes. That's really what we're talking about. You've Fantastic. done that well. Whew. You did get a Do I get an elephant stamp for that, to remembering all that? Is okay. this a male thing? Yep. All right. Now let's get into some more emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now whilst you're there and give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. We thank you for that. Okay, now the X in the X. You just next, had a drink of water. And I just thought, had a oh, drink of water. The next email is from Joseph. Hi, Joseph. He says, hi, Dale. I've been watching Nova Nix, NVX, for some time now with the appointment of a new scientist from Tesla. Their share prices are increasing rapidly, around 350% in less than a month. Um, have I missed the boat? I feel the industry they are in is only going to be stronger with the demand for of energy storage, advancement in technologies and batteries. What are your thoughts? Um, thankfully, Joseph. So I think he's got FOMO. I don't know if he's got FOMO or whether he's... Um 
you know, he's already in it. <laughs> well, he said, I have, I missed the boat. So okay. it means that would imply to me or but he I never hasn't know. got Look, it. thank you, Joseph, and I don't want to say this is not, but there have been a couple of occasions where people have written um, interesting emails into us. Now, mm. I'm just looking at this here, around that 360, 380 mark. Um, mm. It's gone up for the last two months so strongly. You can never say never with some of these yeah. illiquid type stocks that they won't keep running, but it's there's no history to really make that judgment on, but rarely does a stock go up for two months straight. Look at the past there, yeah. but that's really not going to tell you anything, Dale, because mm. the, the stock's changed in terms of its liquidity. Look at the chart along the bottom there. It's gone from no liquidity to quite a lot coming in. 227,000 yeah. shares at 19 cents. Like that's no liquidity to, you know, we're talking yeah, about so June to 2020, the liquidity's just pumped right up. Pumped right up. So therefore that's pushed the price higher, but it could be an exhaustion mm. space. So how can you trade that? Well, it's one of those ones, it's a speculation. I think as long as you mm. treat it as such, if you've been hearing noise about it, if you've been doing your research about it, like this gentleman obviously has done mm. some research around it, somebody from Tesla is now in there, looking at their research, the results of all of that, looking at the industry. And, under, and that's what mm. we talked about a long time, a little while ago, about understanding the industry. So are you saying yeah. you'd look at all that and make a decision based on well, those fundamentals and buy it? No, not necessarily. I'd be looking at that saying, okay, is this a solid investment or is this more speculation? And I would put this more into speculation. Well, we just basket. look at the chart and say it's more speculative. Yeah, so that's what I would do. So if you're mm. going to play with that, then you put in a position size relative to the amount of risk you're taking. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I wouldn't. Would I put as much into this as I would into a BHP? So ten percent no. of your whole portfolio is mm. in a higher risk um, well, area, but potentially you don't have yeah. to do that. But if you wanted mm. to put some money in, but then how would they break down that ten percent? I'm not talking about this person who's recommended this stock Joseph. I'm mm -hmm. talking about just in general. No, what I would do is I would put money into a stock like this thinking if it's got a good story because it's it mm. has been a low liquid stock but if it's got a really good story that you like and you've done the research then you put money into it that you know well if you lose it. It's a 50-50 chance yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it was less than ones. that. It's actually a lot less than that but it's more of if it goes up great if it doesn't I'm okay with that. You know mm. I'm okay with hanging on to that long term or but losing then how do you money. manage something like this because to stay in it you're going to have to be prepared for swings on the downside, Correct. which could be quite large. Correct. So unless you, un unless you fully understand technical analysis and understanding exit strategies, mm. you're going to be at the whim of something like this. And that's what I'm saying is it's, it's one of those ones you speculate on. You're not or you stay away from. Or you stay away from. So you either mm. know what you're doing or you stay away from it. But if you are in it, then it's just mm. put it into that speculation basket and go, okay, it doesn't matter what it does. So I'm do you happy. think he's missed the boat? Um, at the moment, I do. But if, he, if this could go up again, mm. you know, you don't know. And that's the kind of stock. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's speculation. So would I get into this now? No. Yep. I'd be waiting and I'd be looking at the volumes and what's happening and looking at it's probably falling away over okay. the coming months. But... To me, I think there are probably better opportunities right now. Mm. It's not that it's yep. done 350% or whatever it had done in the last few months. It's mm. about what is... You don't want to buy yesterday's returns. You can't get That's them. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, we've got a question from Julia. Hi, Dale and Janine. I bought Lend-Lease at 13.19 before it had a rise, but now has dropped to around 12.50. Wondering if I keep my 15% stop-loss rule from 13.19 or from the high of 14.89. Also, what are your long-term thoughts on the stock? Thanks, Julia. Okay, let's get into that one there. Lend-Lease, I do like it, just not right now. Um, okay, she's looking at the stock from a perspective of the price there that she got into it. I don't know where she got into it. Yeah. 13.19. Yeah, so so she possibly there, so it still it may find there. support where it is right now and then push high, but it really needs to get back above this resistance across here. So... Around 13.66 it needs to come back back at, but it's a question about the stop losses as well. Correct, it is, mm. and that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's like, yeah. you know, to me, mine, it's, you, she bought the stock at 13.19, so your stop loss has worked out on that. But mm. then once it's moving, then you have a trailing stop loss or a technical type of exit, which mm -hmm. is the other thing. Right now, she's into it. She doesn't, obviously doesn't have, has a trigger from the stop loss. She doesn't have a trailing stop loss and she hasn't really got a technical exit strategy here. So to me, my mind that would That makes be, it hard. That makes it really, really hard mm. for her. And that's really why she's asking the question. I do understand it, but she's asking, do I stay with that 15% of my buy price mm -hmm. or that recent high yeah. of 14 odd dollars there? And to me, if, if I was talk, teaching her as a trader, I'd be saying, keep your stop loss mm. unless you get a technical exit. Because yeah. all too often people exit a stock only for it to start 
rising. And I understand that you don't want to lose 15% off the buy price mm. uh, because one of, that's one of the three greatest fears people have, fear of loss, fear of missing out like the last gentleman mm. um, and the fear of losing. They're the three things that, um, well, sorry, fear of being wrong, sorry. That's the other one. Us guys have a problem with that one. Mm. <laughs> so, but fear of loss, fear of missing out, fear of, yep. um, fear of being wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not wrong. It's just what the stock's actually done. But right now, I think you're right. Look, I think it I mean, may be finding some support soon. The challenge is that often people who are purchasing mm. these shares, they're not mm. looking at the big picture. Mm. So this stock is a highly volatile stock. Yeah, it is. When it makes a low or has a big pullback, it actually it oscillates between mm. a range quite strongly. Look what it did back here in 2016. You need to know the personality of what you're getting in bed with, basically. Mm. So you just look at this here and then look how it's oscillated around here again, 11, 13, 14 um, it's quite volatile. It, it did it here as well, but it took off really quickly in 2019. So I'll just expand that a little bit so you can see it better. But it's doing the same thing. To me, it's not just because it's going down this month doesn't mean it's going to keep falling at this stage. It's not clear. It could just go into that sideways move and then turn around and go back up again. So I'd be wanting to give it the room. If it was me and it was, mm. and if I was in the trade, I'd be wanting to give it the room to move to allow that the opportunity Correct. to move back up because yeah. it has that personality and it does that often. Well, that's what I was suggesting, like sticking with the initial stop loss because mm. of allowing them that room. And that's where a lot of people, because they don't have solid rules, and I'm not suggesting this lady doesn't, but I'm just saying because most people don't have solid rules. But see, rules. the other thing is too, if you don't stick mm. with what your rules are at the start, then what mm. does that do to you like or to Julia as someone who's trying to trade in future when she takes a position in something else. Well, it messes else. with your head. Mm. You know, I know, you know, when, if you mess with your rules and let's say, you know, you break your rules and it turns out in your favour, that straight away then gives you permission to break your rules in mm. future, which is detrimental to your trading because you go, well, I broke them last time and it worked. So people will do it again, but you might yeah. lose big time the next time and that happens. Mm. But also you lose confidence in yourself. And I think the biggest thing that we get from people coming to us who want to learn and get you or me and, and our team to mentor them is, you know, they say, oh, I know how to buy, but I don't know how to manage my trade. I don't know how to exit. You know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. Mm. Um, and when I talk to these people on the phone, I go, you don't trust yourself or your rules. Which one is it? And they go, most people go both. Yeah, that's what you get because we're interviewing people mm. at the moment mm. as part of the, um, the course. They got the special, didn't they, with the mentoring program. Yeah. Mm. And so were you finding that with the people that you've spoken to? Not already? just them, but it's pretty much normal. When I'm speaking mm. to students, because I've spoken a lot more than you over the last year or two, is they just keep telling me that they don't and they don't trust the rules because they don't actually do the work to get enough knowledge and enough confidence in themselves and their rules to go, yes, this is going to work. For example, I know with great confidence that people watching this tonight know how to drive a car and they're confident that they can drive the car. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They know mm. they can get in the car and drive safely from point A to point B. But if I say to them, are you confident that you can buy and sell a stock in the right times, 90 plus percent of them would be no. Mm. So, but how do you go from being confident or non that like that to being really confident well, like driving a car? Well, how did you go to being confident driving a car? You did a lot of miles. Yeah, and you do, you learn the skills and you practice the skills. And it's like, what I was saying to one of these people I was mentoring only last week, and I said, I said, what I want you to do now that you're in the first module, I said, between here and this, I want you to get these 10 stocks and I want you to do this on them. And I said, I don't want you to practice it, but I don't want you to practice till you get it right. Mm. I want you to keep practicing till you can't get it wrong. Great. Because mm. just practicing to you think you get it right is not good enough. You need to be able to do it that you can't get it wrong. Mm. And when you can't get it wrong, well, you've can you proven... Because this is another point, right? Mm. Define what you mean by that. Well, in that point is it's a switch here. Mm. Because I can teach somebody to apply, let's say, a trend line or something else. And you can say, okay, great, I can do that. And you can say, yes, that's, that's a perfect trend line you've passed. But then people move on. And in their studies and they look at other books or go to other courses or they do whatever they do. And then they forget how we taught them to do a trend line. And then they can't do it. They, they, no, they falsely mean, believe I mean, they've got I, it. Yeah, but what I mean is, mm. you know, it gets to the point where people, when they, they go mm. from doing analysis to trading, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people get to the point where they think that they've done enough. And, and you're haven't. saying do enough until you can't get it wrong. 
Mm. But that doesn't mean that you won't have a losing trade because the, the, the probability, yeah, probability, trading is about probability and the, mm. the outcome means that you're going to get it right seven or eight out of ten times depending on what yeah. your strategy is. Mm. The one that you've chosen yourself, the one that you've pre-tested yeah. over the history of the share and know what the probability is. But what you're saying is that do it until you can't get it wrong. You're meaning the application of it. Correct. Not necessarily the outcome of as Correct. in getting it's a not, winning not trade It's not whether you make money time. or not. It's about you doing it right. And yeah. it's all about trading well. And trading well means applying yourself correctly all the time. Yeah, because confidence comes and you could have a winning mm. trade and mm. you could have a losing trade. You're still confident. It doesn't affect how you go Correct. forward. And most people I find aren't confident. Yeah. And okay. that's really what Because they don't trust themselves. That. Okay, so let's move on. But last week we asked you to tell us, do you believe a good time to buy is prior to reporting season or after the companies have reported to the market? Now we picked the following responses and we laughed at this first one it's from warnsey he says can i go where the option oh, c that. and he <laughs> continued by saying it doesn't matter as i've noticed stocks act inversely at times to the news in the market and sometimes i've noticed missing the boat waiting for stocks to report um, i'm thinking just stick to your rules great comment <laughs> Yeah, that's what he's been listening to you too much, hasn't he? He has. I mean, last <laughs> week, last week I actually, I actually asked people on the market report on the Monday. I said, "Well, what's your favourite trading rule?" Yeah. And a few of them come up with stick to your rules. Other ones had, you know, you know, have rules. Da 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 da. But at the end of the day, stick to the rules is my favourite rule because yep. it implies you actually have rules. Well, we've seen so many times how stocks get ramped up into reporting season. Mm. And you know, do people know what the outcome of that reporting season is going to be? No. No. no, and you know, stocks that have announced all-time record. I mean, I, I think it was... was what about like, the industry? The industry often know yeah. what's coming, you know, potentially. And so they're already buying the stock months ahead of that and they're Correct. slowly trickling it into the market so the market doesn't notice. And then when the news comes out, the stock gets ramped up because the little people think, oh, I've got to get on this stock. Cause, and I can remember being in this position when I first started out in the market many, many moons ago mm. with my mother and looking at this and we'd be reading the Fin Review and this report would come out at reporting time about this company is doing so well, you put your money into it and then the thing turns around and goes the other way. Well, why is that? And we know now that we've been in the industry a long time what yeah. happens, but the average person still doesn't understand that. Yeah, it's about really, it's yeah, like like um, Warney was saying, you know, it's it's almost like that contrarian view. And I mean, you know, we, we've had examples in the past. I remember years ago that um, Aristocrat Leisure mm. had no CEO made massive losses, put it out into the market, and yet the next year or two it doubled or tripled in price. Yep. It just went the other way. And then how many times has Combank, you know, said we've announced all-time record profits and it fallen anywhere between 15 and 30% in the months afterwards? Yeah, well, sometimes so, it's research, 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 because mm. it could be that the company's made this announcement mm. that everything's roses up mm. until that point, but then the forecast for the next couple of years is going to um, go the other way, and people... Haven't yeah. caught that in the headline because it didn't make the headline. <laughs> and didn't. that's what actually caused the share price to fall quite Okay, so what was the other response? So the next talking? response was from Warren and he said, definitely after reporting, I have tried to anticipate the effects of reporting season in the past and it's not a good strategy, as someone else said. Stick to your rules, as you say. <laughs> some stocks which outperform go down in price and some stocks which underperform go up. So true. Anticipating prices based on reporting is just speculation. Thank you for I that, I think I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll, I'm going to pay Warney and Warren, <laughs> so, you know, um, pay him some money later for that. Oh, <laughs> it's I don't very, think I mean, it is good, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think they're both right. Great comments. I really loved it. And thank yeah. you guys for, for putting those comments in. But I think, I know I do, a lot of people do speculate around reporting mm. season and you get that increased volatility. So That's a must game, really. <laughs> Our question for this week, name a stock that you believe will outperform in 2021 and why? If you're unable to pick a stock, share what your roadblock is to choosing one and we may have a solution. We'd love to hear your view, so share your thoughts in the comments section below. That's a good question, isn't it? Mm. That's a really, really good question. So what do you hope people are going to answer? Well, I thought I I'm going to try to get an opportunity to, to let people respond, mm -hmm. whether they come from one side of the camp or the other. Because, you know, sometimes we word questions in such a way and it precludes people from being able to respond because they don't know. So I well, that's true. changed the way that I worded this one. So hopefully... And some people don't know how to respond because they don't even mm. know 
they know they've got a question, but they don't know how to articulate their question properly. Yeah. Um, and I find, you know, and that's what we, sometimes we say to students, you know, when they first come to us and saying, well, they go, I don't know what to ask you, Dale. And I go, just ask something. Yeah. And we'll start unpacking it for you and with you and we'll start figuring out whatever the question is for you. And so mm. we'll get to that point. But don't be afraid to ask the question. So, but um, I think it's, we're up. Unfortunately, no, we got any more questions? come to the end of tonight's show. No more questions. Yeah, thank you for oh, wow. for such a great informative um, evening tonight, Dale. You I'd did like it. No, you did it. No, you did it. We hope that you've enjoyed the show tonight and we look forward to bringing you all of the hot topics related to trading and the market this year. Feel free to make suggestions on future topics. We'd love to hear from you. We thank you for participating. And remember, if you need any support and have questions about our courses, don't let your questions go unanswered. Mm. You can call our office on 1300 858 272 or email us at info at Now, also remember to hit the subscribe button and like the video and be sure to put the show on the calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube Live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. So hit the like button now. Actually, the, the mm -hmm. director is going to kick me after this because I looked at the wrong camera. Did you? If you'd like to have your question answered on the show, either send your question in an email to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. You must do this before 3 p.m. Tuesdays to get into that night's show. And if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for upcoming shows. Send a video in and get a copy of my book signed by Janine, uh, me, sorry, <laughs> to that too. Remember, that's the competition for February. So remember, send in your video questions. Now, as always, thanks for joining us. And we really do hope you have a fantastic week. We look forward to you joining us again next week. But for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com. Dot au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.